Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. White Claw Heart Seltzer. Sparkling water with alcohol and a hint of naturally sourced fruit flavors. Like nothing you've ever tasted before. White Claw Hard Seltzer. Welcome to the Dope Black Dads podcast, a place where we are changing the narrative and having progressive conversations about black fathers, as well as creating a safe digital space for the community. This is the Dope Black Dad Podcast. My name is Marvin Harrison. Today I am back with my brothering, my brethren, my family. The man's dems is together. We have reunited like Avengers. If we were Avengers, who would you be, by the way? I feel like I'm Captain America because he clearly has way too many powers. I could do things that he shouldn't be doing. I saw him taking on Thanos for about four minutes by himself. I was like, what? What lies are these? Yeah, what, what insanity is these? What, what, what Avengers are you guys? I, I, I have a view, but I won't share until later. Oh, that's a good question. Ooh, that is a good question. Who would I be? Uh, ever, ever, everyone went deep. Everyone was like, I'm Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's a good one. Hulk. Hulk. Mm, okay. Yeah, I think, I think mm. Thor's, Thor's up there for me as well. Yeah. Thor. Yeah, you could be Thor. There's like a beard. Like I don't know. Yeah, there's an yeah. energy that makes me feel like <laughs> you got Chris Hemsworth energy in I, I my mind. Work, I need to work on my old English. I think that's yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm looking at the moment. <laughs> Is that what you need to work on? Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah that's, 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 that's it. Love, love and girls. <laughs> Look, my muscles, my muscles maybe, are fine. Maybe by, maybe by a hammer as well. You know, <laughs> I'm sure you help. have a hammer, Marvin. Uma, you got a hammer in the equipment Not not one that I can give away freely. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm more of a Hulk smash kind of guy. I'll wow. leave that to your own devices. This is all, this is all slightly sexual. What's happening? Oh, you took it there. I don't, I don't think any of us got none this week. What's going on? Come on, guys. This is a clean podcast. We have children. We should be, we should be thinking about this. So we have Hulk and we have Captain America, which is me. And then we have Thor. And Marlon? Black Panther. Black Panther. Yeah. All right. Well, this is this is a crew. I actually now want to make artwork with all of us on it. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Do you know what's really funny? Yeah, I went to see Trevor Noah last week or week before. One of our clients took us to to a box. It was it's fantastic. It's like the box. You know what's funny? When you go O2 to a box here, you do start looking down on people like, oh, you're going to that entrance. Or, no, no, no. You know, I, I did the same. I, I managed to, um, I scored some tickets like very last minute to see the return of Ronaldo at Old Trafford. And there's one of my dad's wow. friends who has a box there. So yeah, I, I saw, I felt exactly the same way. I was like, oh, Stratford end. Oh, mm. you, you peasants. <laughs> oh, the prawn cocktail hair is a bit, it's a bit tart. Yeah, I was just like, wait, 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 when are you bringing out the foie gras? You know? <laughs> is it a foie gras clock? <laughs> Where's my brownie? Come on. <laughs> Quickly. Sorry. So I went I, to I go see, <laughs> went to go see uh, Trevor Noah. And he mentioned this whole thing about like every time there's like a, a superhero film 
or there's like I don't know some aliens are coming. It all happens in the US. They go to the US to get defeated in the US, and then globally there is now peace. And it's like that level of propaganda is quite wild. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think we should just like do a whole bunch of stuff and just center it in Africa and pretend that that's the center of the universe. And we are the Avengers. We can create a YouTube channel. My son watches them with like fully grown adult men in costumes doing terrible battles <laughs> with terrible editing. And he watches it like it's the real thing. And they make hundreds of thousands of pounds. We're wasted here being intellectual. Yeah, <laughs> I hear that. Do you ever think like what, what you're like, if you had, if it was like freedom, like if you had freedom, not just to do anything, if you had freedom with no perception, no judgment, what would you actually do with your days? Hmm, it's a good question. Because that sounds like fun to me, like pretending to be a- Avengers and like catching 100%. baddies and like dancing around <laughs> my garden with my son. That's that fun. I think I'd probably like, because I'm still very much into wrestling. So I think it would probably be doing something along those lines and headlining WrestleMania in a massive stadium somewhere. To me, I think that would be it. And co- going in as the contender. And then emerging as a champion with all the fireworks and the confetti and my wife jumping in the ring. You know, yeah, just that would be and great. slapping Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dope one. Marvin, Marlon, what have you got? I mean, I'm, I'm staring towards like something comedic because I'd love to be like a comedian. So, but, I'd, uh, but you know, that's always that conundrum. It's like, am I funny enough? will people find me funny so you know probably like my own stadium tour (laughs) with my family and my friends and pre-recorded laugh (laughs) find find this is funny and then and then I've always um so I had a a history teacher uh, Mr Segalini's name was a sick teacher and he used to do the reenactment of the Romans you know like when they when they did the wars and stuff like that and I always thought you know you think back like rah like I'd love to do like a, you know, what we did in Africa, you know, pre, pre um, the transatlantic slave trade, like a reenactment of what life was like. That is sick. <laughs> Isn't sick. it? How sick that would that sick. be? And I feel royalty, so I must have been a king back then. You know, I come from a, a long lineage of, of kings. So like, how did we roll back then? I'd love to do something like that. That's um, sick. Is That's there anything like that on YouTube? Maybe. Everything's on YouTube apart from porn, I, d- I checked. But <laughs> Marvin, what, Marvin, what would your vision be? Um, do you know what? I, I would want to be like in line with what um, Umar and, and Marlon said. I think something like Damien Hirst, like involved in art, but my art would have no meaning. But I just want to hear what people come up with. So <laughs> I create something, I just pull it out there and I allow people to sit back and, and try and interpret the depth of what I mean. I'm like, nah, I was, I was drunk. I just, I just, I just threw paint at the canvas and, and that's what happened. But I don't want to hear what they try and come up with. I so, can see yeah. Marvin Loud like nude in a room, but he's modestly covered with the hands of like teen women, just like <laughs> covering his strategic modesty. What does this mean? It's like... And someone's in there like, this is this is amazing yeah, contemporary. Yeah, exactly. This is amazing. I can see the thoughts and the way the light reflects off of his mm. tone of his skin is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the youth of women who are nature against his body are hiding and connecting with his deepest soul and his thoughts and fears. It's like, all right. Yeah, sure. It's funny because mine always just resolves around football. I just want to play football. But I, w- I want to be good enough as I am right now to play for like 10 seasons. That, that, that's the level. <laughs> I don't want to have to train or coach. I don't want to be like Eden Hazard and just play as I am and just be good enough. That would be my goal, I think, because I just, I like the idea of football from a competitive and fitness point of view. And I also just think it's like, it's one of those professions where you earn enough to be like, not have to worry about money, but it's not actually a lot. You think about career earnings to be like, fuck you, I'm on a boat. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like... Mm. Only the top three, four players can be like that safe. Everyone else has to really still think about it. They're like, you know, you don't. Do, do they though? I mean, I think with the way the wages are at the moment, I mean, if you're somebody that's on, I don't know, and there's some bang average players that are earning 50, 60, 70 grand a week. And if you're doing that over a 10 year period, and if you invest well, you, you'd probably be all right. Someone get the calculator out because I think like, the way I calculated it is, it's like 50K. I'm doing this now. So everyone listening to the podcast know that I'm doing math. So it's 50 <laughs> times 52. Yeah, it's 2.6 million. That's 26 million in your lifetime. Yeah. And mm. by the way, this is not small money at all. What I'm saying is, though, is that you 
finish your career mm. and, and sorry that's the money that goes to you but it doesn't include the money from like t- money taken away from agent fees yeah. and any form of management and upkeep tax yeah then if you're earning that much money you are now the center point of money for your family regardless of whatever your family does you you have to support people so it's not like you get 2.6 million and you just like what can i buy like you have liabilities and tax as well so that's yeah. the other thing yeah yeah and so I think like you earn that for say 10 years, let's say you have 2.6 million, you might have like 1.2 million left after all your expenditures a year, which is still a lot of money times 10 is 10 point, oh my gosh, 10.2, why can't I do that? 10.4 million pounds. <laughs> that was a real slow burner. So 12, 12 million, 12 million 12, yeah, it's the two I was carrying in the wrong place. You have 12 million pounds for your life. Yeah. Your career ends at maybe 33, 34. Yeah, then you got another 50 years of existence without no. necessarily a direct transferable skill. So it's like, if someone said to you for the job that you do, we're going to front load all your money into 10 years, how do you feel? You'd be like, great. But it's like, well, actually, but after that, the thing that you do, you can't do anymore. You have to find something else. That's a tough thing to do. Like, So it's, it's not as much for lifetime earnings as possible. Mm, but obviously, true. if you're earning 50, 60K, that's still good a week. But if you're earning... You know, like Salah wants 500,000 a week. If he gets that, then you're like, all right, my grandparents, my children might see some of this. What's he so, trying to do? Rebuild Egypt? <laughs> commit, commit, he's trying to rebuild. <laughs> so, yeah, this week, what I wanted to talk about is that it is technically Black History Month. It's funny because Black History Month has gone on a journey from being something that none of us cared about in my 20s. I didn't give an absolute toss. I used to just, I didn't have any way of engaging with it. I wouldn't attend anything. Maybe as a child in school, I did because I was glad that something black was centered in school and we felt like kings would walk around and be like, yeah. And then, um, you know, that then disappears in you in your teens and no one cares. And then in your 30s, when you're like actually leading industries and you're doing things, it really, really matters again because you understand the importance of it in a global context. It's now here. We're back. It's October. But what I, I, I wanted to understand is like this idea of just like, has there been something that's happened in blackness that genuinely has made you feel proud? Because yes, we do make black history every day. We don't need a month. That's a Kanye West quotable. But like, what what in the last year has happened that's made you genuinely proud to be black? I, I'm I'm really proud of like Raheem Sterling in the Euros and the conduct of, of specifically Saka, because I can't stand Rashford and, and Sancho. But Saka specifically, his version of what mm-hmm. happened post the penalty, I felt like how they conducted themselves as a group of black men, you know, there was no erratic responses. It was very much measured and it was genuinely heartfelt. Like I saw him return to Arsenal training and I really like to see how he felt about people submitting flowers and thoughts so I that really lands to me as like black masculinity being presented in a really healthy way I think OV Soko did that a couple of years ago on Love Island he just presented himself as a person and everyone was like oh my god it's a black man who's not like and it's just like I love those representations mm-hmm. is there anything that you guys can think of in the last year that really landed for you I think I'd say um, like Rashford versus the government um, regarding free school months. I don't know if that exactly counts because I know that, that was yeah prior to um, last last October as well. But yeah, I think I think that was amazing. Again, it's like you said, it's you know he's black and that's an addition to what he's doing. But the main thing is he just wants to use his voice and his platform to the benefit of everyone. Mm. And um, it, many people would have had a similar voice, a similar platform, and not done it. And I think you know it's a bit shamefaced when you realise that this young man who's, who's a football player used his profile to do that for you know for everyone's kid you know it wasn't like he just targeted a specific, a specific audience and there's many people that haven't done that and many people that didn't make the kind of same stand so yeah that made me proud to be a black man and just the recognition he got um from it as well you know kids seeing him as a role model and, and kind of picking up his status i thought that was amazing mm, that's really powerful have you guys got anything marlon numa I, I think um I'm, I'm with you on the the I, I love the way sterling has carried himself i can only think think to football at the moment and I, you know me I love an unsung hero so I think what what we've done with Beloved what we've done Dave what you and Jess have Aww. done I think I think that is, is is truly amazing and it's not like you know we always hear in our community like you know I'm gonna go and challenge you know what people think and how people see our culture and um and I'm gonna challenge business and make them more inclusive and then you know you have the one meeting with that CEO and they're like, you know, we've got to do better. We've got to do better. And then it's like, right, okay. <laughs> Thanks, black people. See you soon. But, you know, what we've created, um, what you and Jess have created at Beloved is 
is phenomenal. Like, is a it's a proper outfit, you know, that does exactly what it says on the tin. And I've witnessed the journey, um, mm. and that is truly black excellence. So that's that's standout for me this this last year. No, I appreciate that, bro. And and the thing that's really like emotional is that I had to actually stop dope black to do it. And it, and it really broke my heart because there's a piece of me that was like in love with Dope Black and, and everything that it was doing. But I just couldn't, I couldn't maintain both of the things. And it was really weird to watch like one of them be doing so well and then the other one needing real attention and not having a capacity to do it. And so it's almost like you say, you, you kind of, I don't want to say you kill one child to save another, but like it's a bit of that energy a little bit. Like you had to actually really change how one thing works to make one thing really work and I, the call was really just down to like where where do i know i can make the most change and i think the like structural thing of going into companies and changing them helps so many people on so many levels i'm actually doing a panel for um for netflix in a couple of weeks and we did a meeting on it yesterday and the conversation that we had, yeah, you know when you're talking, <laughs> you're talking about something, and then you start triggering yourself <laughs> <laughs> every day, mate. <laughs> Listen, I was talking about being black and male in the workplace, and I started off with just a like, you know, this is where we could look, talk about this. Before you know it, I was like, yeah, man, and then like, <laughs> <laughs> please, man. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it, and and I think like, and this is a, and this, maybe this is a podcast in itself, but there's this idea of being like a black man in a workplace and what you what you try to push out there because like most like us four here all of us are really warm and jovial I, I think most people are there was a video i watched the other day of this black guy who was like singing amari and touch and pretending to be like this guy around a pole and like chatting to some girl and i was like every road man i know would do something like that with their girl in us is that child that person that would be fun and free and then when we go to work, we really, really want to maintain that light energy. But something happens, whether it's on the way to work with the microaggressions, people like not, not giving you space on the bus or like holding their bag close to them or, you know, just staring at you funny. And then you get in the door and all these other things, people want to now fist bump you. Someone tries to do the dab to you. And you're just like, I don't know any of these things. <laughs> and by the time you get to all of that, you haven't even got to your job yet. And it chips away at who you are. So I, I think there's a lot of skilled talent and ability in our community that is sheltered or crushed by the world and multiple things that just happen and so for me you know doing interrupting that in a workplace is incredibly transformative and it creates such norms because it changes the flow of money it changes the possibility like all of us want more money for our family so it's like if i gave you an option of like yeah do you want to do something really cool and like bring down I don't know, this stupid company or, you know, tell the tell off the Tory party. Or do you want to make change in your actual life and like increase your salary by 25% possibility of becoming a senior manager, like the conditions and environment you work in are now safe. It then means you've got brain space to go home and be a bloody man in your family. So, you know, when I, when I weighed it up, it was like those two things. So the fact that it works fascinates me every day. It baffles me because we still get invited into new companies. We got three new clients this week. And it's just like, you know, I still get surprised by it. So I really appreciate you saying that, man. It means a lot. Meet Seamus. He and his wife are driving in their new Citroen C5 Aircross SUV to her birthday dinner, which he forgot in a restaurant that she had to book. She married a cliche. This could be a very uncomfortable drive. Except the Citroen C5 Aircross SUV comes with advanced comfort seating and progressive hydraulic cushion suspension, making it a very comfortable drive indeed. Citroen. Engineered for comfort. See citroen.ie. I, th I think for me, it's just been... I think over the last probably 18 months and more so in the last probably 12 or 13 months, it's kind of seen like how black people have been operating generally in terms of there seems to be more of a confidence that black people are starting to exude now in terms of not being afraid to to air their views, not being afraid to to kind of challenge things where things before could not be challenged. And I think, you know, even stuff like the most recent thing, obviously on Channel 4 with the Black to Front Day that they had, you know, even starting to see stuff like that that's happening. Yes, you know, it was a, it was a small thing that, 
Channel 4 did in terms of, you know, taking a, their whole schedule out and, you know, transforming it into to black people's hands and stuff. But it makes such a huge difference. And I think, for, especially, you know, for me growing up, not really seeing that level of representation on TV and even in the community. And now kind of, I think, seeing more and more people stepping up seeing like a, a nice black middle class that's forming uh, within the country and and seeing how people are not afraid to kind of say, you know what, I've got goals, I've got ambitions, and I'm going to go out there and achieve it. And I think people now, uh, I feel like black people are becoming more and more empowered in being able to make a change and make a difference in their lives and in their communities. And I think that definitely I've noticed that sea of change in the last 12, 15 months or so. Can I just ask this? So are you for or against the idea of a 24-hour takeover blackness TV? Are you, are you, is that, in your idea, a good idea? I think it's a good idea if it's going to springboard into doing something more permanent. So, you know, I think it was good that Channel 4 did that because I think it demonstrated the wide range of black talent that we have available. But I don't want it to be something that's done in isolation. I think a bit similar with Black History Month. We always know come October, black people are going to get wheeled out at various events. Come speak on this panel. Come say this. Come say that. That's great. But we're still black the other 11 months of the year. Uh, Same thing on TV. You know, there are still going to be black people that want to be on tv they're going to be black people that are you know in front of the screen or behind the screen so i think it's about using that it's great to demonstrate that but using it as a springboard to be able to do other things and actually saying yeah we've done this we've had a modicum of success people are asking for it let's see how we can transform it and not just in front of the tv screens itself but also what's going on in the more senior positions do we have black people in those positions of influence in those positions of power they're able to speak and represent those artists and those talent that that we know are out there so i think it's a good springboard but to me more needs to be done for it to take proper change and for it to be properly effective yeah marvin are you for it or against it um, I'm, I'm the same as Uma. I, I definitely think it's about empowerment. I think, you know, where, you know, opportunities are appreciated, but what next? And um, we don't want it to be a tokenistic gesture. We don't want it to be short-lived and we don't want to be done to make them look better and we're kind of the scapegoat of it. I think there just, there needs to be that legacy. And I, and I love what Uma said about what's going on behind the camera as well, because we know before they've tricked us by bringing a black family into EastEnders or you know, other things like that. They're right, love how you do it, baby. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but the writers haven't changed and, and the producers haven't changed. There's not as many people involved behind the scenes. And as Uma said, we've got talent across the spectrum. We can do everything. So we, we should be in there. We should be up there with everyone else. So I think um, in the long term, hopefully it will be a good act. But I think... You know, we, we know that people look at it sceptically. Whenever, whenever whenever anything happens like that, there's a sceptical eye. Where you think, okay, what's their agenda? You know, what, what are they going to do next? So I guess it's going to be at the test of time to prove whether it was sincere or not. But, you know, I'm hopeful that it was sincere. What's your thoughts, Marlon? I think it was brilliant. I thought, I thought it was really good. A great step in the right direction. Now let's see it once a week. And, you know, some of those talents uh, that they that they put out, like the Mo and Judy, like uh, we, I want to see them more, like uh, across across TV. But what was interesting is in, so we had that that whole day, you know, Black to Front, all black programs, and that must have generated some money, some serious money. The whole black community turned up for that. You know, lots of other people, lots of other races would have, would have tuned in. It generated money. If we had that money invested back into something you know what i mean like we've taken a portion of of what we've done and we're investing it into new emerging black talent or growing our pipeline of black talent through television or creating x amount of posts that would have been a, a good you know, a, Do you know what's a really outcome. interesting though because i i agree but i realized I, what i'm realizing is as you're speaking is i feel like every time a black initiative is created it has to have a legacy attached to it the, the, it cannot happen in its isolation because really in any other intersection, any other experience, it would be like, right, we're doing a women's day. The women's day would just be like, right, we're going to hire women, pay them, put them on TV. That's the end. And no, nobody would demand that there is a legacy to it. But with blackness, it's like, no, 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 no. Where's your long tail reinvestment plan? Because there's so many people that need to be underserved. There was also, um, I don't know if you follow Kalechi Okorafor. She's a, an influencer. She's a black woman she speaks pretty much on these topics all the time but she had a an, a view on this which was that they overlooked her in the pursuit of this and they can only look overlook her so much did any of you get to 
See yeah, I saw, I saw some of that. That that was kind of going back and forth, and and again, I think you know, as a black community, we we we, we kind of have to have a spectrum, and you know, we need to look at representing all types of black voices so you know whether you're on the left or whether you're on the right whether you're controversial non-controversial because i think that's a true representation of what it means to be black and i think obviously channel four wanted to present a particular type of blackness i suppose and i think that was very underwritten throughout a lot of the programming that they had what what would you say that is i think that's important I, i think Again, I think I don't know whether there is a subconscious feeling of we need to present a particular type of black person so that it's more palatable to the wider community that it's serving. So, you know, having somebody like a Mo who's very affable, he's very funny, he's very relatable, it's like, okay, yeah, we get him on there because he might appeal to, you know, middle class white people, working class white people, you know, in a way that somebody like a Kalechi may not because of, you know, the the stances that she takes. So I think there's definitely there's definitely things around that. I mean, I don't work in the television industry, but I think it's very apparent because even, you know, let's wheel out Trevor McDonald, so Trevor McDonald, for example, to do um, Countdown. You know, there's other black presenters. Why not Big Nasty, for example? As you know, I'm not saying he, sh- he should have been him, but why not somebody else? So I, I think because he can't spell. But <laughs> I, I, I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> I don't want no smoke, nasty. That was not me. <laughs> you, know, you know, to me, I think I'm taking. I'm still taking it as a win, but I think in the long term we have to be quite realistic because when you when you look at TV programs, for example, there is that spectrum that exists. There are, you know, you have got GB News now that. Exists exists um news uk are looking to put out their own channel next year and i think piers morgan's going to be kind of leading on that so you know you do have to have that recognition that there are other people within blackness that also need to be represented but i guess i can kind of understand from channel four's perspective they want to create uh, the most palatable viewpoint uh, from their perspective to maybe try and get more people to engage so that you know if eventually we are going down that route of opening up the spectrum it's like oh okay we didn't just start with controversial black people it's like oh okay no there are other black people that exist um and this is what we're presenting to you and, and i think that's always like an, another side to it all i think there's always just a slight it's almost cynicism almost of like the intention of the curation of it and I think what she's speaking to is she's led the conversation in blackness. She's a presenter. She is a actress. You're trying to tell me there's nothing that she would have been able to participate in. Then I think like who's probably driving that conversation? Like who's who's the one behind the scenes? And it could be a black person, and they have a particular vision of what it is that they want to create. But I think for Mo, like who 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 is bigger than Mo in presenting right now? Who could have told held that space? I think Trevor McDonald is a legend. Maybe there was a couple of favors pulled, like people who just were like, oh, I was a friend of, but AJ, who co-presented with Mo, was incredible. ZZ Mills and Yinka had a, a great, highly visible black, like ZZ Mills is not necessarily the palatable, easy to hear in terms of everything that she thinks um, point of view. She's very talented, but like, I think her views polarize people. Who else was on there? The High Life with Tony and her sister, Camille, uh, Irene. Chifa, that's like Chifa's like <laughs> Chifa's not palatable. He's like he's a, just a, he's a dude. He's a real dude. He's a smart guy. But you know, I think like it's just interesting. I I think I think that that, that balance existed. But I also I like I like presenting normal blackness. I, I I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan of just because that's how I know black people. I know black people as us. And then when I go into other places and it's a bit too spicy, I'm like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> Why are you so angry? What, what's up? Why are you angry? What's going on? Like, you know, I just like, I, I, I don't know it in its extremities anymore because most people that I know have something to live for and have cultured themselves, not necessarily tempered or like, you know, made themselves more palatable, but they've cultured themselves for their surroundings, the things that they've created for their families. And so a lot of it is just a bit more like, it's a bit more like Mo. Like I've known Mo for years, but like it is that guy. It's not the extremities of him that's like on the verge of murdering somebody to be authentic. I don't know. What, what's, what's your view? I may have slightly ex- extended your point. Yeah, I mean, I, I see what you mean. But I do think, obviously, you know, there's a group of four of us and I think we're very 
there there's a kind of commonality there in terms of like goals and aspirations and what we want to do for our families and for our kids and stuff and again we we also can't underestimate the role of backstage politics as well and and it happens in whatever industry you're in you know it doesn't matter whether you're on tv or in politics wherever backstage politics and there could be something about her in particular that led to them not wanting to go down that route you know so i, I think we can't underestimate that so that 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 may have been a potential issue as well and again it's something that happens across the board you know people will get deplatformed for whatever reason if you don't seem to if you don't fall in line with a particular view or you don't fall in line with the way that they want to present something then they will just not bother engaging you on that so i think there's a chance that that may have been the case it with with her but who knows you know if something like this was to happen again or if channel 4 or another channel decide to make more of a commitment in terms of showcasing black talent and doing it in a meaningful way on a regular basis you never know she might get the call but i think maybe for that a lot can happen in 3 years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly 3 years in some states learn more at uh1.com there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and zepbound for those who qualify Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Particular black to front, you know, they obviously had an agenda. They obviously had a particular message that they wanted to get sent out. And perhaps for whatever reason, she didn't come along on that ride. You know, we don't know the conversations that were had. We don't know, you know, she was approached or, you know, she wasn't, whatever, you know, and that's kind of what's, what's happened there. I think you're, I think you're, you're right. Um, I think there was probably highly in agenda, it, but, but it would have been really good to see or to, to display the variety of, of blackness. You know what I mean? So people with those, uh, sort of, you know, leftist or rightist views, you know what I mean? Like, you know, th- this is black, being black British, basically. But the, but it felt like the agenda was, you know, a little bit urban, <laughs> everything sort of palatable. Um, you know, if, if you think of the, to think of programs that, um, I may destroy you, is that, that's, that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. That was a completely different spin on, on black people, on just life, you know, in London or out of London as black people like i've never seen anything like it you know what i mean just a completely this is how life can be or is lived you know what i mean it's not always <laughs> the young black boy that came from the mud came from the mud single mom had to get in the gang lost yeah. the drugs you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> got the girl you know what i mean it's not that same story um so uh, you know i definitely agree it would have been good to have you know a mu- much more uh, of a variety of of different shows that shows you know black British culture you know we're, we're not left we're not all right we're some cent- left center you know what I mean we all have different views some are palatable some are not palatable but yeah that would probably probably have set off Ofcom We've yeah. never, I, I would one, I would have liked to have seen some uh, some more right wing or right center black people speaking actually I do think they get shut out quite a lot from conversations and dismissed very very quickly. And I think there's an element of truth in not the performative ones, the ones that are like just doing it for pay or for headlines. There are some people who genuinely just feel a way and they behave in the way that they understand. Like it's quite interesting because I think even people like Anthony Joshua are quite right center. Like he's not, he's not left center. He has a very strong view about 
your own determination, determine your own future with your own will. That goes into a lot of the things that he says and thinks. He's not looking for handouts. He's not in the whole like, poor me. That sounds very dismissive. But he doesn't feel like he's a victim at all. And, and I, I think, think sorry yeah. Marvin, I was just going to say, I think the, that conversation about the right of centre, I think that's a lot more common than we probably give it credence and more credit for. Because I think a lot of the black people I speak to they, they would have grown up in that kind of conservative type environment anyway, whether you've come from Africa, whether you've come from the Caribbean, you know, a lot of those households are kind of centered because obviously religion and then, you know, your culture kind of forms a lot of that. So a lot of it is kind of centered in kind of conservatism anyway. So the liberal element of it has probably become more to do with our generation kind of adopting more Western ways rather than, you know, our parents doing that. And I think the way we look at things and the narrative of, you know, having to work 10 times of, as hard, for example, that kind of thing, that is in a way that is a bit of a conservative ideal because you have to work hard to be able to achieve something and, you know, get something. But obviously there's a blackness that's attached to it in terms of how the color of your skin can obviously prevent you from getting certain opportunities. So I do think the the center black or the black of center to the right even is more common than I think we we give it credit for. Um, and I've had debates when I've been on radio with other people, you know, people like Inyama as an example. And I think that view that people like that subscribe to is a lot more common. Yeah, I, th- I think people are economically right center and they're socially left center. And I think that that's the balance between the two things. And I think often every individual is framed in one of those things. Like, I don't think it's that even that simple. I do think it's important to hear right social viewpoints, like your own determination. How much are you in control of rather than blaming the government or blaming any institution about why you can't or why you haven't got. And I think you need to hold accountability to yourself. But also there's a certain level of experience you expect from the services that you ultimately fund. And so, you know, police is, brutality is a real thing. Education is definitely underserved for sure. Health really does impact black women specifically more than anybody else. You know, the services that come through your local council are, you know, aren't necessarily structured for blackness. See, the Citizens Advice Bureau have like these dark ideas around blackness. And, you know, they had their pamphlet, the internal training manual um, shared around. It just sounded like, Black people don't trust white people, so do this. It was just horrific. But the, but the point is, is that those things happen and you need self-determination. But also, if you've become successful, even if you're being humble about it, you know there's a part of it that you've done on your own, of your own free will. And you will know people who haven't been able to do it with a similar background to you. Anthony Joshua being close to jail at one point, then becoming world champion. How do you tell that guy that it's, poss- it's not possible to become something? He only believes that it's possible because he's literally experienced it himself. He may have an empathy for those that the journey beat down too far to do anything, but he still believes it though. He still expects you to do a certain amount yourself. And I think you're right. We do need to platform those things. Was there anything else about Black Up Front that you really liked? I like the idea of High Life, to be honest. I like the idea of doing a, a reality show about you know Black West African families in this kind of modern context and showcasing the life that they live. Because, you know, they feel like we don't have glamour. We have glamour all the time. Like, you know, I eat five-star all the time. So, you know, we have to stop acting like we all eat in Morley's. We don't. So, you know, I really enjoyed that. Was there anything else about Black Up Front or something specific that you would have liked to have seen? I think for me, I like Big Breakfast. I think that, like, that's a nostalgic moment back to, you know, waking up for school or, you know, you switch on Channel 4 and it's on, watching it first thing in the morning. So seeing that, um, represented and obviously seeing it with black faces I think yeah I, I enjoyed that and back to you know the point that Umar and Marla was making I think we can do everything like there's nothing there's no job there's no role on TV that we can't do and we need to be given the opportunities to be able to perform them all um, you know because other other cultures other races they get they get that they got everything from Peaky Blinders to Question Time and everything in between that like we we deserve that too we deserve to be able to show all aspects of, of blackness and then it's like a buffet people can pick and choose from what they like but we shouldn't we shouldn't ever be typecasted to one you know particular role or um, one particular um, perspective because we as you can say we know that all roles exist within our community and people will find affinities with, with different aspects. But um, yeah, back to the other question. Yeah, big breakfast for me. Um, I enjoyed. Mm. And what other things happened this year in blackness? Like I, the things I'm thinking of all seem to be a bit slightly over a year. I think of Lewis Hamilton. I felt he he really stood 
on Black Lives Matter in F1. He was unapologetic. And even though they were like Ernie Beckleston and a couple of people were like, we don't have a problem in F1 racing. It's being it's been blown out of proportion. He just didn't even respond. He was just like, he's just every race. He was just like, fist in the air, <laughs> like you know, flags on his back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just having no far, chill yeah. on it. Uh, he also uh, for the Met Gala bought yeah. a table for I think it was six to yeah. uh, I think it was six yeah, or six, eight designers yeah. to come and sit next to him to be centered uh, while they wore their designs. Like I like that type of stuff, like proactive thing. Because the, the the difficult thing is, is like, yeah, you have a job, but then in your job, you don't. The idea that you have to then commit a certain amount of time, effort, and your own money to solving something you didn't create is fair, but like also just like not fair. So when he does it, in addition to it, and he does it like I, I'm still going to be number one racer, but in my spare time, wherever I am, I'm going to find ways to disrupt it. I love those acts, uh, and we've also had a lot of billionaires being discovered. We have, I think, Jay Z made half a billion, and uh, Rihanna became a billionaire. Kanye West became a billionaire. So, like, how how do you even feel about those things? Do those things register to you? I think she said something about, I can't believe people were texting me to congratulate me on how much money I'm worth. It's a bit bizarre, but then I understood it inspires people. But how how do you feel about black billionaires? It's, it's, it's achievable, isn't it? It's, it's, it's something you can see. You know, one of the questions we always ask when we go into, into businesses um, trying to make them more inclusive is, you know, who do you identify with in your senior leadership team? Like, can you get there? Um, and now we can see it you know what i mean they 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 all started from a relatively low position and built and now billionaires in you know a relatively short space of time so it's a hundred percent achievable and going back to sort of umar and marvin with an eyes point is that we have a blueprint you know we're second generation so we have a blueprint so to be a lawyer we've got a blueprint to be a doctor there's a blueprint Obviously, we're not there in abundance. There's not, you know, hundreds of us and it's quite isolated at the top, but there is a blueprint to get there. That's kind of where I am. Happy. Mm. Happy. Is there anything else that you think has been a dope? Like, I, and I think when I talk about billionaires, I'm talking about from the point of like, you know, most, and, and this will go to Uma's part, like we kind of conceptually say that socialists don't believe that billionaires should even exist and how problematic they are. That's a, obviously a big statement. And then we are in a capitalist environment. So do do you have a thing that's like anti-billionaire like why do you need to accumulate so wealth and the cost of other people had can you do it if i become a billionaire by the way i will pay you for this. do you know what it's, it's really interesting that someone said that to jeff bezos like you're a billionaire and all these all these millions and he i think he responded as like do you know how many jobs i've created or how much i've in, invested in communities and creating jobs There's something like 875 million like you know he creates jobs that's the whole point of it you 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 earn that money based on risk, <laughs> you know. What I mean, you're not paid for it because you like it. It's 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 all balanced on risk, isn't it? Um, and that investment supports communities. I've seen that firsthand. Um, one of the first uh, jobs I got in local government was a million pounds, and the first thing I did with that million pound was look to all the jobs that I could create to deliver the programs that that million pound was going to be able to deliver and put people into work from a zero baseline. You create jobs, and that elevated an entire community that the government had just wiped off. I'm telling you, it was a no-go. The area was a no-go. So so I'm, I'm all for it. You know what I mean? You're earning your billions. Uh, there, there's jobs around that that are keeping food in mouths and, you know, supporting communities. So I'm, I'm yeah, I'm so then I, I think, because I get that. And I, I think to myself, maybe, maybe the question is more about better distribution of wealth. Like, do, like, do you need 50 billion while you have workers on minimum wage? Like that, I think that's the balance. That that I think that's where it doesn't add up to me. Is that yes? It's and also by the way, he's worth fifty billion. He doesn't have fifty billion. He's worth it, but he's worth it because of the fixed rate costs that he has as an overhead. Means that there's a certain level of value in the business long term. What what are you guys' thoughts on that? Because I think obviously we're creating billionaires. We're supporting you know part of Rihanna's mystique and same for Kanye West and Jay-Z is because of their connection to black community and us all rallying around and supporting them all of them consuming their stuff making them cool and relevant and then they go off and do things that don't directly serve us afterwards so is is that authentic or is that slightly just like none of our business really you're gonna pull the socialist out of me 
<laughs> Let me hand over to you guys before I get hella liberal. <laughs> I, I mean, I know, I know, I know. Umar's gonna gonna want to um, speak on this one as well. I think my, what what I'd contribute and say is what I think. Yeah, it's it's a shame for billionaires and you know people to be living in abject poverty. I think that's the it's that spectrum. I think that's the problem that we've got both in existence at the same time. I think if people, if everyone had a level of satisfaction in life and they had the basic human necessities and, you know, they didn't have to struggle to eat, to find clean water, um, you know, to, to to live to their full life expectancy. And then we had billionaires, we had the Tony Starks and the Batmans and whatever. I think that would be completely different. But the fact that, yeah, people do have so much wealth where other people are struggling, I, I feel like that's that's where, um, when you see both ends of the spectrum, it's hard to remain kind of supportive of the idea. But back to the point of um, Rihanna, Jay-Z and, and Kanye West, I think what I like about it is just how free they become. You know, Jay Z doesn't care about how he carries himself by like Western or European standards. There's there's something there that's quite liberating. We know Kanye's always been quite vocal. You know, cussing out George Bush. Um, you know, to do with um the the kind of the Hurricane Katrina things like that. So I think there is something free and liberating that comes with success and comes with having money that I think we can take a lot away from. Um, it's like having that fu money. I think that's that's kind of way way it builds to. But yeah, I do think having that and abject poverty can be problematic. But before we tear down. The black billionaires, there's a lot of other races of billionaires that I think they, they could free up some of their resources before we, we start taking down ours. Yeah, I think it kind of speaks to wider society in terms of, you know, black people make an achievement and suddenly it's like, OK, why are they doing this? They're not allowed to do this. Like, we need to tear them down. Like, they need to go back in their place. Because I think there's still inherently this system and this thought process that if you're black, we are not meant to achieve. We're not meant to be doing anything that's noteworthy. We should be kind of keeping ourselves in check and not really, you know, aspiring. So to me, I think it's a great thing. It's great to see people like Jay-Z and Rihanna, you know, that are doing great things. And then you've got people, you know, the richest man in Africa, for example, who's looking to try and buy Arsenal one day, maybe, you know, if Stan Croquier will give up some of them shares. I think there's a lot more millionaires and billionaires that are out there that don't necessarily have that level of presence that people like Rihanna, Jay-Z, Kanye do, but they are doing really good things in terms of uplifting their communities. I mean, look at stuff, for example, what Akon is doing in terms of putting in solar panel energy in a lot of African countries and kind of trying to create like... um, a a Wakanda type situation in places in Africa. And I think it's stuff like that that should be celebrated because I think if we're taking advantage and using the resources that we've got available to us, that's causing us to then kind of make money as a result of it. As long as, from my perspective, we're using that power, that influence, that money to kind of give back to our communities and bringing up the next generation, then it's a great thing to celebrate. But if we're not doing that, then I think it becomes problematic. But by saying that, I also don't think it's fair to say and put all the onus and and kind of the responsibility on these people because, you know, they've made their money. It's up to them to freely choose how they want to, to kind of invest it because we don't go around to people like jeff bezos or warren buffett or all that and say well what are you doing for the white community for example so there is a balance that has to be had and again i think unfortunately and and i think we've all experienced it we've all seen it being black means that for whatever reason we get held to a very different account when it comes to certain things or a lot of things in society so you know to me it's it's, it's about balance now i'm ready with you and, I, and I, I we did a podcast about billionaires a couple of like last year maybe and I think this like demonizing of people who generate wealth, you're right. It just, it makes you feel uncomfortable. And I, I want people to be more responsible with their capitalism. And I do think you can distribute it better. Like I, I would feel very uncomfortable, like, but I suppose that in the same way that Jeff Bezos has made 50 billion, he's probably made a few other billionaires. He's made people that are now worth a hundred million. He's now made people that are worth 10 million and they've made people that are worth millions. And then they're worth hundreds of millions, hundreds of thousands a year. You, you created, we can call it trickle down, but I think it's more you just created tiers of financial wealth at different levels through what it is that you've created. We may be present to the people who take those jobs at that level and maybe we should look at how we can review them. I think that's the only thing is like minimum paid jobs should not be a part of it. But other than that, you probably generate a lot of wealth for a lot of people through the thing that you've created. Him being worth 50 billion probably makes that he's generated 100 billion in total for everybody. 
and now everybody's kind of like distributing their own different ways. So it, it does feel something. And I think you're right. Every time blackness does something particular, it becomes really loud. And like, now we have to give it all away. Otherwise we're not, you know, down for our people. And I don't I, think it's healthy. And I think as well, it's all about, and I think, again, I feel like our generation understands this a lot more. It's about legacy building. It's about creating that channel and that distribution so that we're starting the work now so that our children can benefit from it in the future and hopefully for them they will kind of take what we've started and excel in a way that we could only dream of in the same way that our parents when they came over here would have had those kind of same dreams and aspirations and i think we obviously have a disadvantage because we're starting from literally a ground zero perspective because of slavery and you know everything that's kind of associated with that but we're kind of re- we're becoming wise to it and saying actually do you know what we're going to take advantage of the resources and the opportunities that we have available to us and we're going to create that kind of ecosystem that yes we benefit yes you know we might be able to enjoy life but we're trying to do that kind of legacy building because when you see stuff you know generational wealth we know we don't have that in the black community and i think when i see people like jay-z and rihanna and kanye doing their doing bits and stuff i feel like what they're doing is they're trying to start that ball rolling they're trying to create generational wealth so you know for for jay-z and his kids it's like your kids are set for life now so the next thing is okay you're set for life now i'm thinking about how we're going to make sure that your kids that you know my grandchildren are going to be set for life and then you're kind of creating that that kind of generational wealth and that kind of legacy and i think that's what we need to be doing a lot more of and stop tearing us down when we're achieving and you know there's there's nothing wrong with that we're achieving we're celebrating it get out of here that's really powerful i i, I won't even attempt to to prop that does anyone else have any closing thoughts before we go um i, I was just going to add that um like it was when I went to uni, that's when I really saw like proper generational wealth. Like, you know, um, you meet someone and they're like, you know, come back to my farmland thing and meet my family. And I'm expecting some terrace house in the back end of Birmingham, but it's a castle and they've got, you know, and this was my great granddad's house. And I've got a good friend. His grandfather had fine vineyards in Spain and made wine. And you know what I mean? And and I, I never had that. And then I started working. I met another uh, girl at work, a uh, Nigerian girl, and she had proper generational wealth. Like, I, I remember, like, sitting in our network meetings, um, you know, your black network meetings, and she just wasn't having it. She was like, no, my grandfather went to Oxford. <laughs> you know what I mean? I come from a long line of, like, serious people. Like, I'm entitled to these rights too and i and that that is what it's exactly what you're saying Uma, exactly what, what inspired me and then when i think back to my community like our sort of general our, our generational wealth is like you know you, you get granny or granddad's house and that has to pay for some of granny or granddad's care <laughs> but you know you're thinking about the 50 racks <laughs> when that when, when the house is sold and you know what bm you can get or <laughs> you know what i mean or how you're gonna splash it in the club but so, so that those experiences really took me on that journey to actually being able to create generational wealth, which isn't just being able to support my daughter, but but her kids too. So it's 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 the the physical assets and the knowledge as well. So it's the blueprint, um, which my dad set me up with. You, my dad gave me a brilliant blueprint for life, which you know is a survival mechanism. You know how to how to survive this. Um, so yeah, just that. Can was I just ask you all though, quick, quickly, what, what would the one thing you would like to happen between this year and next year? We were here next year, Black History Month, and just having a conversation about blackness. What would you have liked to have seen or notice or feel? I would say I would like to see more meaningful representation of black people in society, you know, not just on television, but within our communities as well. Because I think the narrative still in some respects is you know it's still kind of crime ridden um, poverty stricken in some ways and i think i'd like to see us being presented in a much more positive way in society kind of recognizing you know what these these people are serious like they, they they're not here to play like they're here to they want to make money and we're not ashamed about that we want to be successful we're not ashamed about that but we also want to contribute to our communities and we want to make sure that we're uplifting our communities. And I think I want people, I, I know this is going to take a long time, but I, I, I just want 
the wider society to not see black people as a threat. Because I think there is still something there to be said, you know, whether that's out on the streets, whether that's in the workplace, whatever, we're still kind of seen in that kind of way in some respects. And I think I'd like to see a lessening of that in a year's time. I mean, I think what, what I was going to say perfectly links in with what Umar said. I think there's something about gas and black people being gaslit that whenever something happens, the first thing we need to do is justify that it's actually an issue. And for all of us here, we know like there's that incident that happened in Streatham of the young boy being stopped by the police where they were choking him, you know, there was accusations of him having a knife. We all know what that is. But as soon as that conversation starts, you have to convince people that it's race-related to begin with before they want to then take on the problem and understand that there is actually an issue. And I just like this, yeah, that just to come to an end. I like that to be over and done with, that we can just look at something for what it is and say, okay, that's wrong. Harry and Meghan or, you know, um, you know, Serena Williams or whoever it is, we can just call it for what it is. People understand it and then we can just move forwards because I think we do end up wasting time fighting that race battle and it distracts us from what we really should be doing. It distracts us from making the businesses, from creating the billionaires and creating that wealth because we end up justifying our existence, proving that, you know, what's been done is, um, you know, that there's a racial bias or there's an unconscious bias or something there. And then at the end of it, we can tackle the problem. So yeah, I just, I'd want to see an end of that gaslighting, whether that's in the workplace, whether that's in the communities on the streets and whether that's in government and on the TV as well. I think, I think for me, um, so a lot of these companies uh, sort of post BLM have said, you know, we recognise that we're not good enough and we're going to open the doors. And I want to see those indexes. I want to see how much people of colour have got in through those doors. How much, how much has it grown? I think it's also uh, important. I saw, um, I can't remember what country it was in Africa, but, you know, the British Museum or one of the museums have got someone's artefacts and they were trying to justify the cause for not returning it. But under the whole BLM guys, you know, we're meant to be reviewing how we see things and, you know, okay, fine, we're not in the 1600s and 1700s when we ran to people's country and teeth their things and brought it back to the UK. Um, are we going to run that back? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> are we giving that yeah, back? Have we, have we spoke to Jamaica about running their peas back? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> have, we, have we done that yet? Um, so, yeah, for me, it'd be really interesting to see. But, I mean, I looked at the uh, um, employment rates in London for young black men and it's still at an all-time high. I think it's like 42% uh, between 16 and 24. So, you know, um, I'd like to see that reduced, you know, really make that go down. Um, so the, the proof is in the evidence, isn't it? So like a year on uh, Black History uh, Black, Black History Month next year, I'd like to see that, you know, there's hella people of colour, in um, particularly black people in, in decision-making positions. Not that, you know, we're just the, the manager or we're head of DNI. Um, you know, all respect to those people, but we're making decisions about, some of these blue chips and, you know, so on and so forth. That's really, really powerful. I really like the idea of the sentiment around, I like the tone of discourse to improve. I think that sets a lot of pace for how people feel day to day. In addition, my actually greatest worry is that post-Brexit Britain will go to the shits and the last thing people are going to care about is racial justice. Like, I think... I think, and it also then breeds like another distraction campaign that's needed. And that normally ends in race, some sort of immigrant narrative about the reason why we don't have bread on our shelves is now because, you know, they're stealing it or they didn't do something. When the reality is we lost a lot of workers and we now can't get in and out of Europe. It's really messed with our supply chain. I feel like that when the, the gas uh, energy challenges that are coming combined will put a lot of pressure on black and brown families i think it will change the discourse into a very negative one while we try to find an answer and i think that will impact us the most um i would i think there's some nice things that like places that i have find peace so things like football you know i would like there to not have to be kneeling just because it would be nice to be watching the conditions of football to be peaceful um i don't i'm not i'm not into this narrative of fans must have a voice at all costs i think that's it's a, it's, a, it's a bit, you know, it isn't true, actually. Like, I don't actually want to hear what unqualified people think about something they've never done before, like above and beyond the people who genuinely know that stuff. So, you know, I would like to see racism out of football so I can just enjoy little pockets of non-fighting for my life. Just like, I, I need some of those. But I kind of agree with all of you guys, to be honest, on where, on where it is. I just, I, I'm I'm also a bit fed up because I think that it's all a bit of a game. And I think it gets created to distract and then you get sucked into something. And then even if it's fixed or not, and in six months time, does anyone remember? 
Like, do you remember what was the social justice big thing for six months ago? You know, like a year ago it was George Floyd. That was seminal. Outside of that, so many stuff happened, and it just—it's just like it's exhausting. So, uh, and I genuinely do think Britain might be going to shits real soon. So I'm, you know, I've got an eye on, <laughs> I've got an eye on where I can go uh, and be safe. To be honest, like I'm, I'm big on safety at the moment and preserving my own peace. Um, and I think there's a lot of things coming that are not going to make that normal normalized. You're gonna have to be fighting for yourself in a quite aggressive way. Guys, thank you so much. We're back. It's good to have us on the zoo, on the same call together. It was so much fun to catch up. And yeah, happy Black History Month. Hopefully you're overcharging someone for something somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> thank you. And so thank you guys for listening. I really much appreciate it. We'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, you can find us at... Uh, at Dope Black Dads on all social media platforms. You can also email me for a chat at hello at dopeblackdads.com. Thank you so much for listening, my brothers. I appreciate you all. Uh, we'll be back next week. Ireland is leaving diesel behind and Toyota is leading the way. Start your electric journey at Dennis Mahoney M50 with Ireland's best-selling car brand. Get your diesel trade-in booster or choose a contribution, both up to €2,500, and you'll see why self-charging hybrid is the right choice for today. Supply is limited, so visit Dennis Mahoney M50 today. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota. Built for a better world. Terms and conditions apply. That's Mrs. Byrne. She just got her entire M&S shop for free. She's this week's randomly selected Sparks customer who doesn't need to pay for a thing. Not only that, every time she shops at M&S and scans her digital Sparks card, M&S donates to her chosen Sparks charity. Plus, she gets personalised offers and treats. Sparks, the new reward scheme from M&S. Good things happen every time you shop. Join today in the M&S app. Terms, conditions and exclusions apply. For details, see marksandspencer.ie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.